You are the only girl who doesn't fall at my feet. And it is driving me crazy. Is it Noah? It is driving me crazy. Is it Noah? Noah? Hello, and welcome to You Should See the Other Guy, the podcast where we usually watch a romantic comedy featuring a love triangle and then tell you why the person who did the picking picked the wrong choice. But this week, we are just going to have a very special episode to shoot the shit about romantic comedies with some special guests. I'm Jennifer. I'm Samantha. And I'm Sadie. And for this very special bonus episode, we are joined by Annabelle Toko and Fletcher Peters, who write the newsletter, The Only Girls Who Don't Fall at Your Feet. It is essential rom-com reading, and you can read it at theonlygirls.substack.com. Annabelle and Fletcher, welcome to our humble little podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having us on. Hello, hello. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Fletcher, you sound exactly like how I imagined, which we were talking a little about before recording, how much your name sounds like a New York City rom-com protagonist. You are the fast-talking journalist with a big dream, unlucky in love. (laughs) This is exactly how Fletcher is in real life. This is exactly what our life is like in New York. We knew it. (laughs) It's such an honor to, you know, carry that characterization with me because I know the predecessors have been great. So I don't know how I'm going to live up to them, but thank you guys. Thank you guys. It could be really meta where you write a rom-com newsletter and that could be like your, instead of being like working in a magazine, which like magazines don't really exist anymore, you Mm -hmm. could be writing a rom-com sub stack and somehow through that have a meet cute with the future love of your life yeah you know i'm like raising my eyebrows right now you can't see it but i'm like <laughs> like thinking about it you know like that makes a lot of sense that's up the 2020 edition well we love the newsletter it's yes we've all been reading thank it the you. last three weeks i am thank you guys yeah that's, that's amazing so nice. yeah thank you and i suppose a great place to start in any conversation, not just in this one, is with The Kissing Booth 2, which you <laughs> covered in your first yes. issue, which was of sort course. of about how even bad rom-coms are worth talking about. Why do you oh, think that? Let's yeah, start there. 100%, especially 100%. the bad ones. Um, yeah, well, so actually, we started this newsletter because Fletcher was just kind of like, Julia G- just tweeted out one day. I was like, anyone interested in starting a newsletter? And that's a funny story. That's <laughs> yeah. a funny story. So during quarantine, me and Fletcher, like, sorry, Fletcher, to reel this, kind of embarrassing. We ran this like bi-weekly Netflix party Glee night where we just invited like all of our friends to watch Glee and shit on it, basically, because it's oh, just no. such an insane show. <laughs> like shit on it, but also like point out the intricacies of Ryan Murphy's fantastic television filmmaking. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> I do think there are some moments that like were purposefully bad. So just yeah. to clarify that, I would I would like to add an amendment because my first post on the Substack was about Ryan Murphy and yeah, it praising was- him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that clip of Sarah Jessica Parker doing turkey lurky time Please. mixed with something else was oh intentionally bad or earnest and fell flat? Honestly, I think, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Whoever watches yeah. it can interpret it the way that they would like to see fit, and in my opinion. That's, that's the beauty of Glee, and that's the beauty of, like, bad rom-coms, including Kissing Booth. When the pandemic, like, first hit, the first Netflix party that we kind of ever did was the first kissing booth which was just a lot of fun mm. so we were when Fletcher was like oh let's just start a newsletter like I want to talk about rom-coms I was like yes I'm on board I'm in absolutely we need to talk mm-hmm. about the like this kind of stuff there's so much to be said and that's where we got the name from for the newsletter is there's this line in the first kissing booth where uh, Jacob Elordi's character is talking to Elle like in the car and he's like Elle, you're the the only only girl who doesn't doesn't fall at my feet feet and is driving me crazy. (laughs) And me and Fletcher were like, that's us. Like, that's us. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Yeah, that that day with the newsletter was kind of a crazy day because I was thinking about, I think I saw that letterbox list with all of like the, like two white people with 
green and red sweaters on oh, a Christmas yeah, yeah. card. And I saw that and I was like, I would like to watch all of those and like write <laughs> something about it. And I don't think anyone else has that kind of passion because I yeah. think people well. see that list and like <laughs> immediately get scared. So I like turned to my dad. I remember I was in the car and I was like, dad, like, I think I'm going to start a newsletter called Rom Commentaries but I don't know. And he was like, you should definitely not do that. Like, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> but like, he, he definitely wasn't like on board with it at first. He was like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, do you really like rom-coms that much? And I was like, yeah, I do, dad. I'm like, I'm not gonna do it alone. Like, I'm gonna find someone to do it with me. So I literally tweeted that out actually in search of someone to start a newsletter with and like secretly hoping that Annabelle would be on board. And <laughs> she was. So that's like the precursor, the, the, the prologue, if you will, to yeah, our origin to, story. <laughs> exactly. That was my mind. Mindset. We laid the lure. Annabelle was hooked. Yeah, it I was in. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of ended up being like a perfect dynamic because like we'd worked together before and we've been friends before. Makes it sound like we just became friends, but not true. <laughs> but like I, there were so many rom-coms that Fletcher like told me to watch. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to watch this because before this year, really, I just like didn't really delve into the genre that much mm -hmm. for just kind of whatever reason. So it's kind of this really nice dynamic back and forth of having someone who like has seen so many rom-coms and like knows about all these specific details in each of them. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, I've seen a couple. I'm interested. I'm interested in exploring, but I'm by no means an expert. Does that sound familiar, Sadie? <laughs> I, I am the shepherd leading these two guileless sheep into the world of rom-coms. <laughs> and, and you are right, too. And, like, honestly, like, when they're handing out the Nobel Peace Prizes this year, I think they might toss them to us for introducing people into the rom-com world, to be honest. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful world of delights, honestly. Exactly. Endless entertainment. F plenty of things to complain about. It's Truly. it's wonderful. True. Okay, this is all true. Uh, I would say I found I found Fletcher's Ryan Murphy comparisons and, and Ryan Murphy coming up in the first newsletter at all very interesting because <laughs> I know Ryan Murphy more for horror than I do for Glee. And I honestly, okay. I think that Samantha and I have found a lot of crossover with rom coms and abject horror. <gasps> Oh, because I've seen American Horror Story too. Not not all of it, so like, don't quiz me on it. But at the yeah, same, same. Time, I'm not an expert, but but sometimes rom coms are terrifying. Yeah, yeah. The Kissing Booth one is a body horror movie. I <laughs> I stand by that 100. percent Wait, like, can you can you walk me through this? Because I definitely agree. I just like want to know, like like a step step by step. So much of the Kissing Booth one is about like the boys at her school like noticing and like needling and like touching oh, her her body in a way God. that makes me feel very unsettled. Oh, that's so true. This is very, very It's true. like District 9 and Kissing Booth 1 are like, they're the same movie to me. <laughs> oh my God. That's <laughs> theoretical. I agree though. I totally agree with this statement. Maybe Jennifer's body is just like horror Kissing Booth. Yeah. Like, honestly, with a happier ending until she dies. Jennifer's body is definitely also a rom-com. Yeah. Like, it's a tragic rom-com, but it's still yeah, a rom-com. Yeah, yeah. Damn. We have to do that one on the main podcast sometime because obviously Amanda Seyfried should have chosen to get with, you know, Megan Fox in that movie easily. Oh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Definitely. What other movie Definitely. is the boyfriend in that from? I was having a mental lapse earlier trying to remember that. He's been in a lot. I can't remember. Was he in that one um, dog hotel movie with Emma Roberts? <laughs> oh my god! Sure, why not? <laughs> Which Emma Roberts is also in so much like crazy shit. I was gonna bring this up earlier because Ryan Murphy Scream Queens is just absolutely insane as a show. Have you guys seen that clip on YouTube that's like Chanel Scream Queen's best scene? No. Like, no. I've not seen like, the full thing, oh, but I surely will now. <laughs> oh, you have to watch it. Not to like give you guys homework, but it's this like four minute video about like, you don't need to know anything about the plot. It's more fun to watch out of context because I truly forget the context. I watch like one season of Scream Queens. 
But in the video, Chanel Oberlin, who is played by Emma Roberts, is like getting chastised publicly for something involving her sorority. So she does this like voiceover monologue, which is an email that she sends out to like everyone in her sorority basically calling them out for backstabbing her. Attention all useless Kappa sluts. Congratulations! And she uses the most, like, insane language. Oh, you sent me this. You sent me this. This is how I feel when I tell people publicly that I, like, enjoy watching The Kissing Booth because it's, I mean, because (laughs) it's bad. They're like, they come after me, man. They're like, what is this? Like, she cannot be in the world of film criticism. Like, yes, I can. Please. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And And, like, the button on that video is perfect it's just a perfect like political satire like comedic or whatever it's a gem of a video i worry about a kissing booth directed by ryan murphy i'm not sure my senses could handle it yeah it might like know, put me in a coma it's not for the faint at heart it's not for the faint at heart i definitely say that but like what if ryan murphy's is for the faint of heart i just think that the kissing booth two lost me like the, the kissing booth one was in my opinion so great because it was so bad and it was yeah. so bad because it was based off of this wattpad author like god bless her i think we all wrote Wattpad novels. <laughs> At least in our brains, we did. Good for um, her getting oh, such a I paycheck for her. Exactly. <laughs> and then the second one. The second one, they just wrote on their own. Like, they didn't take it from her at all. So they were like, okay, we're going to actually write a script for this. Like, it's not going to be the original Kissing Booth. Which, to me, you know, that's where they lost me, is that they're not they're not tapping into that same young aura that, like, I do find Ryan Murphy can really tap into and make funny and, like, just so chaotic. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Because we were commenting about how the second one kind of felt more like a movie. Like, they were trying to set up a traditional narrative Mm -hmm. structure Mm -hmm. and another guy and yeah i don't know where they get off with that like two hour 12 minute runtime oh my god the audacity (laughs) truly i just sitting through it like towards the end it really felt like guys do you guys watch uh it's always sunny or you know about that scene when charlie's trying to like connect all the lines on the wall for like the pepe sylvia like (laughs) letters (laughs) that's how i felt watching kissing booth too like the last like half hour i was like what's happening <laughs> to me that bad last hour is like the best part of the movie though because it's so bad because you're just like you just want to yell at the screen and be like what is going on like this is so bad like yeah. please please yeah like the, the middle part where it's just like i don't even remember what happened like in the middle they lost me after the scene with the intercom when Elle is oh talking God. about the snack like after that scene and then the up till the last hour I forget everything yeah one of my friends like invited me to watch it like on like a Netflix party and with like a, another group of friends and halfway through they like bowed out and they were like oh let's just go, let's just go play like jackbox games oh i was like what? no you can't just leave in the middle of kissing booth 2 for what for jackbox games like it's okay quiplash can wait <laughs> let me just say that no one would do that to when harry met sally like everyone wants to be okay like, and, and Rightfully so. When, when Harry Met Sally is very good. Yeah. But if you're gonna, you know, what what is that Marilyn Monroe, Monroe quote? Like, if you don't love me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. Like, that's true for rom-coms, too. <laughs> oh, no. Like, you don't get to just... It's- yes, Fletcher. Yes. <laughs> if you don't love me at my kissing booth, too, you don't deserve, deserve me at me. my... When Precisely. Harry Met Sally. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Yes. That is my motto in life, I think. I don't like those movies being in the same sentence, but <laughs> they fit in the same yeah, I, like- I was a little worried before you were going there. When Harry Met Sally being my favorite rom-com is like a core pillar of my personality. So I was a little worried there. I think this works with a horror movie rom-com comparison because I think there's a saying about horror movies. I think I think Stephen King might have said it, or he might have been borrowing it from someone. But he said like, "There's no such thing as a bad horror movie. That even yes, the bad ones yes. are entertaining because the that you find comfort in the tropes, or or there's one little thing you can hook onto that has an emotional resonance or visual power, that kind of thing. And I don't know, maybe rom coms are similar. That even oh, the bad ones yeah. have. Yeah, no, I, I think agree. That's absolutely I agree. Because I think you know, like 
horror scholars, I don't know, you know, people who write about horror films online tend to like look into and really assess even the the movies that, you know, don't get critically acclaimed or the, the horror movies that are bad and they like, you know, find the campy elements or they find the the good elements of it. But with rom-coms, usually the bad ones are just like, okay, this is just like really, really bad and like we should never talk about it in society or completely shun yeah. it from society. Well, it's because people write them off as chick flicks. Like that term mm-hmm. chick flick was like originally coined just for rom-coms, you know, like generations of like I thought chick flicks flicks were were like movies where it was just chicks. Like Bridesmaids is a chick flick. Oh, I thought you were going in the animal direction like Sadie's imaginary dog hotel movie. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, Back at the Barnyard is a chick flick. But you're right that it's it's just like they think that it's just for like women. Yeah. I think that's I feel like it's what it is. It's one of those like all thumbs are fingers, but not all fingers are thumbs mm-hmm. type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like oh, chick yeah. flick is kind of an umbrella term that includes rom coms, and it also includes like Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and yes. Goss and you know like all those types of movies. Yeah, anything yeah. that's focused on women protagonists and their relationships outside of men. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. I would say that. A bad rom-com is typically a great horror movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Convergence. That's yes. very wise. That's very wise, actually. I agree with that. It's a circle and they meet at a point. They're not, yeah, yeah. they're not discreet. Wow. The geometry. Wish- wow. Yeah. That's really insightful. <laughs> I wish I could, like, open up a fortune cookie and just, like, get that as my fortune one day. I think the world <laughs> would be a better place. <laughs> yeah. A bad, well- a bad rom <laughs> What's the saying, Jen? A bad rom-com is a good horror movie. Yes. <laughs> Finding that in a fortune cookie would That's be delightful would or terrifying. We, when we're writing the screenplay about the people who, you know, a rom-com about a person who writes a, a, a rom-com newsletter, that's what's going to be like the inciting incident is they get that fortune cookie. Yes. Oh my God. The yeah, opening so scene is going to be you walking into your bedroom and shutting the creaky door and cracking this fortune cookie. <laughs> Yeah. The like lucky the like lucky numbers at the bottom. You like meet a guy at the bar and he gives you his number and like the first like seven digits are the lucky numbers from your fortune cookie. You're like, oh my god. Or you just dial the lucky numbers on a whim, opening the fortune cookie and it goes, Yeah. (laughs) Who knew you were gonna write a movie on this podcast, you know? Depending on the way this is filmed, like this this could either be the scariest movie or or the most romantic movie like it's it's gonna go either way because yeah. this whole like you call the numbers on the bottom of the fortune cookie like that <laughs> that to me sounds like like a ghost is gonna pick up the phone and like you know haunt me or something <laughs> i feel like the movie is going to be super terrifying and there's going to be a lot of legit horror element in it but then there will be a love story through line and then at the end you'll be happy with the ghost you know oh okay Nora we need Efron. to end on like, an uplifting <laughs> No. <laughs> this is a new this is a new page in the New York City rom com. I would say. Haunted yeah. New York. Gonna go on a haunted New York to inspire occult, this. A cult New York rom coms. We're inventing <laughs> new genres of film already. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm, I'm hooked. This is what happens when great minds come together to speak about rom coms. Like what else would you expect? Yeah. I'd like to see yeah, I'd like to see horror movie writers do this. <laughs> <laughs> Right? <laughs> what do you think is the worst rom-com each of you have seen? Oh, oh that is such a good question. I just thought about this. Just think about. All right. Well, I can talk about one that I saw recently. I can talk about okay. one that is... Can I, can I do two? Because they each are at the end, of the end of the spectrum that we've been talking about. One is prevailed as like a pretty good rom-com. I think Annabelle will agree with me on this. And one is like obviously a bad one. So as the bad one that I watched, it wasn't even so bad. It was good. It was just so bad. Like I could not sit through it because it was just mm-hmm. so bad. Like not something I could watch. I threw a Netflix party. It's for Noah Centineo night. It's called Swiped on Netflix. Oh, oh. yeah. And yep. it's it's like, no. it's, like the Noah Centineo parts are like, okay, yes, Noah Centineo. Like you make me laugh. But then the other parts I'm like, God, this is like so like there's no there's nothing to make this even remotely funny so that one I would say is just like horrible to watch then a lot of people really like this movie I just did not find the chemistry between the two leads I thought it was like 
it, it tried to divert so many cliches that it was cliche, if that makes sense. Like it just tried to be so quirky and, and weird. And I, I like didn't root for them at all. And like their love, which is Love Rosie, which I might get heat for. Oh. Because everyone is like, oh, Love Rosie is so good. And like, honestly, it's not it's not a bad movie. It's just like not a good rom-com in my opinion. Yeah, no, mm. I would have to agree with the Love Rosie point. I think that and similarly, something that I watched this past year that I felt like was akin to that is One Day, which I know were both two like very similar and very like popular movies. Mm-hmm. But they're, for they're, the pacing in both of them, I feel like is just kind of off. And I think what frustrates me the most about Love, Rosie is that like, slight spoiler, in the first like half hour of the movie, they have set up the kind of plot line with like, whatever, what's his real name? Finnick O'Dare from The Hunger Games. I forget his real name. Sam um, Claflin. Yeah, Sam, Sam Claflin. Claflin. Sam Claflin. Me before you. <laughs> that made me laugh. Me before you. It's a little like ableist, but like it did it did make me chuckle because it was very bad yeah that and like they have set up that romance and then also she's having a baby and they don't really even like delve into that plot at all it's just kind of like oh she just graduated high school and now she's having a baby and they don't even talk about like like we don't know if she like talked to the father like there's just like one throwaway line that like the mom has or something where she's like well we're catholic and then that's the end of the story is that she like (laughs) has to keep the baby because it's catholic and i'm just like Mm -hmm. what is going on here yeah i would have to agree with that this is probably one of my favorite so bad it's good rom-coms is like an old one that i remember watching like at a sleepover with my friends in middle school. It's called When in Rome. Oh my gosh. I watched that to prepare to go to Italy. I thought that was like required viewing. (laughs) I was like, this is what Italy will be like. And I watched it and I thought it would be and it wasn't. And it wasn't. Yeah, I, it's like so bad, but it's so good. It's like, starring Kristen Bell and the plot is like she gets drunk at a party and goes out to a fountain and like steals some of the coins and she wishes for like I she wishes for like something about love I haven't seen this in like 10 years but basically she wishes to like find her true love and all of a sudden she's like irresistible like every all of these suitors are like trying to woo her for the entire movie and it's hilarious. That was my first, like, so bad as good. I am looking at the poster now, and everything about it screams, run away. <laughs> Danny DeVito, okay, Danny DeVito, like, is one of the ones that falls in love with her, and he, oh, like, yeah, yeah, follows yeah. her the entire movie, and that is, like, actually good. Like, that is funny. <laughs> Danny DeVito like, following Kristen Bell, like, p- please, yes. <laughs> Okay, so we now have this one marked down as a good other guy candidate for this podcast. Danny DeVito. The DVD cover, by the way, it says, from the studio that brought you the proposal. Not even like from the director of this or from the writer of that. From the studio that brought you the proposal. (laughs) Yeah, the studio. Yep, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Damn. Sadie, have you seen this Love Rosie movie? I have, and I actually love it. I Understood. do. Controversy. I, I do love <laughs> it because I think it's visually very beautiful, and I like the characters together. But I'd have to rewatch it, keeping your opinions in mind. I've, I, I'm definitely someone who's super easygoing with rom coms. Like I. You know, if it has a happy ending, most of the time I'm like five out of five. Love it. Would mm-hmm. watch again. Mm-hmm. And also it's one of my friend's favorite rom-coms. And so I was very primed, oh, okay. primed and ready to go in. And I'd read the book. And so I had a whole backstory in my mind. And fun fact, I hated the book because in the book version, they don't get together until they're like 60. 60? Yes. They go through so much. Yeah. And and the entire book is through like letters and emails and texts. 
it's, it's tiring. Like, it's yeah. okay. And I just watched, and Annabelle, I made her watch this. I just watched Sleeping with Other People, which has like soared oh, to the yes. top of my favorites because it's so intimate and like the friends to lovers thing mm-hmm. and like that kind of when Harry met Sally feel is so much more present there because they like, you know, they monologue over scenes, you know, like they do in When Harry Met Sally where they're like on the phone. It's just so, it's like such an, a nice intimate real feeling and then I immediately watched Love Rosie and it was like very it felt more like a rom-com than it did like a a when I mean when Harry Met Sally is a rom-com but like a more like subtle version of that so I Mm -hmm. think that's kind of why I didn't like it as much because what primed me as you said like what primes you changes how you view it so I think that might have affected it yeah I think I agree like when I was told to watch Love Rosie it was kind of the same thing where someone was like oh my god this movie is like so good like etc etc but I am of when it comes to like rom-coms and like not specifically rom-coms but like romance movies if it's not real like if it's almost if it's too like in its own world I tend to not like it as much like over winter break I read this isn't a rom-com but like general romance I picked up a copy of the bridges of Madison County for like 50 cents from Goodwill and I was like oh I've heard about this like I'll read it and I absolutely hated it. Like, the movie is definitely better because I will never speak ill of Meryl Streep. She's listed as an interest on my resume. Like, I will literally not say a bad word about her ever. <laughs> but the book, I just found so... It felt like like Twilight, but for, like, people who are, like, 60 and, like, worse. Also, the book was in, like, a really large font, so I felt like it was calling me stupid, like, every other page. Like, the font was just <laughs> way too big for the size of the book. <laughs> So that really threw me off as like a priming for the Bridges of Madison County. That's a big movie. issue. That's a big issue. <laughs> Judging from all of our moms, I feel like Twilight was already for 60-year-old women. Oh my god. Ooh, my mom was not quite there, but she was very into Twilight. Like, oh yeah. We had a three out of three moms loved Twilight on on this podcast previously. Wow. Oh, that's <laughs> a- Nine out of ten dentists. Yeah, that's such a fun well, <laughs> Your mom, your mom was in Samantha until Jacob fell in love with the baby. So your mom did love Twilight until the baby baby. imprint. Speaking of Annabelle, perhaps (laughs) the most terrifying doll in cinematic history was the Renesmee doll from Twilight. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. I hate that baby so much. I was also like... (laughs) led into Twilight in the worst way because I was watching like Eclipse or something and one of my roommates his name is Jack if he's listening hi Jack loves Twilight like really loves Twilight and I was texting him about it and he was like oh like what team are you on I was like well I'm only on like the second movie but I think like team Edward and he was like okay good choice like Edward is after Bella's heart Jacob is only after her eggs and I was like what terrified about what that was gonna mean and then when the baby imprint happened i was like oh so this is what he meant this is horrifying. Okay. I have no history with Twilight. And like, yeah, I'm trying to make horrifying. Fletcher watch Twilight because Fletcher has like never seen the entire saga, and I hadn't either until like a month ago. So now that it's on Amazon Prime, I'm like trying to make her watch it. Like, I oh, will, yeah. but like, will I? No, you I have to. You have to. Sorry, required watching. Yeah, I probably will end up doing it. Yeah, you have to do what we we did for the podcast, and you set it as a milestone for your newsletter and then you watch them all and talk about it and like be forewarned it will give you some messed up dreams and you (laughs) will just keep talking about it to whoever's around you for like at least two and a half weeks after but yeah i'm not on team edward or on team jacob i'm on team amnesia for myself so that i can forget watching all five of those movies in one day That's insane. Yeah. I did it over the span of like a week and that was still a lot. I can't imagine an, an 
a whole day. I physically can't even talk about Twilight anymore. We have to change the subject. Okay. <laughs> we have to change the subject. And um, well, I was just going to ask the antithesis to Samantha's question, which I'm super curious to hear what your favorite rom-coms are. Because I know that you, for the most recent newsletter, talked about some of your favorite summer rom-coms. But I want to mm-hmm. hear about your favorite all-time, all-time rom-com. Yes. Obviously, The Kissing okay. Booth, like done. Yeah. No need to answer <laughs> further (laughs) (laughs) you can agree with me okay no seriously Annabelle you go I feel like you you kind of talked about yours already yeah I talked about this already my like my favorite rom-com is when Harry met Sally hands down it's a classic I know it's kind of a basic answer but I love that movie I watched it for the first time this year actually and I've already watched it like four times this year because I think so this is interesting Interesting. My favorite part of the movie is I kind of interpret it in a different way. I know that part of the kind of main like thesis of that movie is like men and women can't be friends, which I don't agree with. I feel like that's a really age old thing. And like, we don't need to play into that. But the reason why I like that movie so much is because it feels like very real and intimate. And mm-hmm, because mm-hmm, you I agree. kind of feel yourself like falling in love with the characters as they fall in love with each other over the span of like years and to me it's not about like men and women can't be friends but it's more about like loving your friends is like a very real thing and whether that means you know obviously in the movie it's traditional like they're in love with each other they get married etc but you know I think that just friendship love like platonic love is not talked about as often in media it's really either like familial love or like romantic love that are like the main focuses and that's why I like the movie so much because you just get to see them like interacting with their friends like with Carrie Fisher and Meg Ryan's friendship is beautiful and then like you know I just I really love that and that's why I like it so much and I like take pride in the fact that it's my favorite rom-com like if someone else tells me it I get like weird it's their favorite rom-com I get weirdly competitive about it but yeah I could talk about it forever (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well I just want to counter you I want to counter you Annabelle because you said that not a lot of movies talk about like platonic love but let's just look at the kissing booth yeah (laughs) like let's look at it as a man and a woman and they're friends and when Harry met Sally they end up marrying each other I would and they hook up with each other before marriage so I would like hesitate to call that platonic I'm joking around I do really love when Harry met Sally I love all of Nora Ephron's work again I yes. also just got really into her like this year I've watched some of her stuff before but like I'm more of a You've Got Mail fan I think because like yes. you're, either, you're either a fall NYC person or you're a spring NYC person and I would say that I'm both but definitely more of a spring person so when you've got mail and that scene when they like run out into the park and like Brinkley chases them like I just watched this like at the start of the pandemic so it's not my favorite but like just to talk about favorites like that's soared to the top quickly but my favorite of all time would have to say Bridget Jones Diary like by far I've been Um, watching this movie since I was like a little girl it has shaped my perspective of the world I would say and like you know Pride and Prejudice very very good so Mm. this kind of like modern take again I I love Clueless too which like I like those kind of both of those are Jane Austen but like I like all the ones that um, take the classical literature I think someone should do like the epic of Gilgamesh though as like a rom-com anyways I'm getting sub yes Yes, I want to watch this yeah I mean like it could be like a like a gay rom-com with the epic of Gilgamesh where you know like can Gilgamesh be I forget what his Enkidu I think Enkidu is the same like can they truly go on this quest together will they fall in love like I think they would fall in love anyways Bridget Jones Diary I just (laughs) Renee Zellweger is so iconic in that movie and I love Hugh Grant and like it's just I watch it every Christmas time I watch it all the time not because it's like Christmas theme but rather because it's just so like comforting I would say and it's so realistic when she sings all by myself alone in her apartment it's like physically impossible not to also sing along right what's the quote she's like uh, this is for Shaka Khan when she says I'm every woman she's like I chose vodka and Shaka Khan so funny like epic 
one-liner right there. You're making me regain hope in rom-coms because we've done some troubling ones on the podcast recently. And now I'm remembering that they're good. And at their best, they're about human relationships in ways that, I don't know, movies these days don't really get made about like friendship and love anymore. It's like, it's like Mad Libs movies, like Sadie's Dog Hotel movie. It's like, did you see the movie where the Pelicans went on a cruise (laughs) to Alaska to learn about fatherhood? Adam Sandler would be in that too. I would watch that Happy Feet spinoff. I would. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Also, Sleeping with Other People. I just watched this and I really think, I mean, like, along with When Harry Met Sally, you get that, like, really intimate, very subtle feeling. And, like, the the climactic scene in that, I, I, like, watched that multiple times after because it's just so, it's just so chilled out. And it's still yet so romantic when you're watching it. You're like, oh, my God, like, I crave this. But at the same time, it, like, doesn't feel, like, so, like, grand gesture and huge and, like, oh, my God, like, it's a rom-com. It's kind of like, wow, like, this is a human relationship and this is probably something that happened in, like, the writer's life. Yeah, I think that's kind of something that you learn to like appreciate about rom-coms and like romance movies like as you get older is just the really like small moments like this moment one of my favorite moments when Harry met Sally that I think about all the time is like when they go to the Met and all of a sudden Billy Crystal is like we're going to talk like this for the rest of the day and she like doesn't miss a beat and she's like okay like I'm in and they're just like goofing around like in the museum and I love that scene because it's just so like like that's what knowing people is that's what like friendship is Mm -hmm. like no one's gonna come out of the bushes of my house and be like oh Juliet like whatever no hate to Romeo and Juliet that's the only Shakespeare play that I will back I love the Bosler version (laughs) but yeah like all this like it's it's just more like it's the little things you know not to sound like a fortune cookie again Sadie believes that if Shakespeare were alive today he would be really into the kissing booth movies (laughs) I agree Mm -hmm. he would be the author of the kissing booth movies (laughs) yeah But more But no, in all seriousness, I was going to say, I totally agree with you. I think that rom-coms really excel when they focus on like the intimacy between two Mm -hmm. people and they kind of small scale it down. I think Nora Ephron was like the queen of doing that. All of her rom-coms are so good at that. Like even Sleepless in Seattle, they feel like real people. They don't spend too much time, you know, laying out the profile of a character, but it just kind of, you start, you learn the characters as they go on. And so it just feels like these wonderful little bites of life. And it's so fun and enjoyable to watch two people fall in love, which I think is why so many people are connected to When Harry Met Sally, because that's the entire point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody loves, I mean, When Harry Met Sally, you've got male, like those two like are just explicitly fantastic movies and like great rom-coms. Like they top the charts in both movies and rom-coms, which makes them so great. My favorite rom-com, maybe my favorite movie is Leap Year starring mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it yes. Samantha? Is it I'm, or are you baiting I'm, Sadie again? I'm, I'm trying to bait Sadie once again. <laughs> I'm up to my old tricks. You need I'm to I'm taking yourself. a sip of you tea. Would, yeah. <laughs> you are going to make Sadie go eat some seeds. <laughs> What's the story? What's the background here? Oh, uh, Sadie loves Leap Year, and Jen and I kind of famously trashed it when we covered it on the podcast. Yeah. So we had an ongoing It did not surprise me with the Rosie movie today that Sadie had a dissenting opinion because Sadie is boldly unafraid to stand up for a cheesy <laughs> rom com and defend it. I mean, I respect that. <laughs> and we love her. So, Annabelle and Fletcher, where do you land on Leap Year? I've oh. never seen it. Which, well, I know. haven't seen it. Yeah, that's, there you go. That's the newsletter Something, in a nutshell well, right there. <laughs> but I love Amy Adams, so. Something that, just the one thing that upsets me about Leap Year, I do not think there is much more, is that it has a PG rating, which to me, rom-coms should either have mm-hmm. a PG-13 or R rating, which, you know, you can tell it's a PG rating. But 
other than that, like, I enjoy it. I love, like, okay, top tier, like, good tier rom-com would be friends to lovers. Top tier rom-com is, like, haters to lovers. Like, that, yes. That just, like, it makes me laugh. And then it's also just, like, there's so much tension. Like, when the tension starts to flip, you're like, oh, this is so good. Like, it may not be the best, but there aren't enough hater to lover rom-coms out in the world to, like, just, like, bash on the ones that exist, in my opinion. Yeah, Yeah, we have to protect Leap Year. (laughs) Exactly. I could have been turned around on Leap Year. And again, here's where fanfic steps into the gap. But if they had had just a super freaky, nasty sex scene in that part that it was teased and they both clearly wanted to... Yeah, I would have probably had a very different opinion about that movie. Yeah, that whole beast speech was headed in a very non PG direction before they they (laughs) reined it back. I think that's my like number one critique about like La La Land too is that there's no like sexual tension. And like that was the issue with Leap Year was there was and then they don't act on it. Like when rom-coms like either don't have that or they do have that and they don't do anything about it, it really makes me angry because it's like, this is a rom-com, like this is what it should have. Other than that, I do love La La Land. But that's the one thing where I'm like, they just feel like BFFs, like soul, platonic soulmates sometimes. Do either of you have rom-coms where you feel like the protagonist really made the wrong choice? We're gonna farm you for recommendations because that's what we like to do on this podcast is, is critique the protagonist's romantic choices at the end of the movie and and exonerate the other guy does it have to be a movie oh what what other format what other medium or do you suggest i well instagram live stream (laughs) 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 yeah no i was gonna say the only one that i can think of that like viscerally makes me angry and this is a really hot take it's not a movie but in new girl i'm a huge new girl fan i've seen like the entire (gasps) series through like it's my favorite show times oh it's so good i'm so so excited to hear your thought i am firmly of the belief that i am firmly on team sam rather than team nick like oh, the I, doctor guy. Yeah, this is. I know this is a really hot take. I have to meet myself. Sadie's looking for the eject button. But I love, I love Sam. I like Nick. I think like they're good together, but they have so many issues. Where I feel like when like in the episodes where Sam and Jess are like really at their height, I feel like they work so well together. And I do love. I love the episode like at the end when. Finally, you know, the reason why like Sam is no longer a possible romantic interest. I think that's really beautiful, but I love Sam. So that's my my contribution. I'm team Russell on New Girl. I think she oh. should have stayed with her older rich boyfriend played oh, by Russell. Ty and Dermot, whoever from Mulroney. My Best Friend's Wedding, which yeah, we covered yeah, yeah, last yeah. week. Oh, I just watched My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, oh, oh you did? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, we'll get to that next really quick. We'll we'll touch that. But a character that I wish they'd expanded on more in New Girl was John Cho as the persecutor, I believe. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because you don't really spend a lot if any time with him. Yeah. And I thought that that would have been such an interesting, like opposites attract romance. I'm firmly a, a Nick and Jess person, I have to admit. But I think that they could have done a lot more with that. Yeah. yeah. I, I wanted Nick and Schmidt. I have too. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I, okay. I'm not well, you've got Nick and Schmidt. Lovers. I'm like, it's weird to it's, like, it's still weird, you know? I agree with you. I think that is true. And my one of my takes is similar to that. But I don't know. Like, I think Nick and Schmidt is better. Or like yeah. Winston and Nick at some times. Like, I don't understand why Winston like, and Schmidt. Honestly. I, I see, I never even saw the end, but I just I'm a Winston Stan. I want him to have happiness and he has his cat, He's right? So or does he He's have so a cat great. by the end? I don't know. But they give him a, a love interest by the end of this series and I think they get married. Oh wow. That's beautiful. Okay. My best friend's wedding. We just watched it like for the podcast this week and talk about a horror movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My best friend's wedding is I just I think that the scene that best like encapsulates my best friend's wedding is when she like is wreaking havoc in the office and she runs into Russell from New Girl and she's like, Oh, I tried on your wedding ring and it's stuck. And instead of like trying to help her get it out, he like 
sticks her entire finger in his mouth and like slurps the wedding ring off to give back to her which is just like what (laughs) what happened there i was just grateful there wasn't a line of dialogue there where he was like your fingers taste the same as back in college or something like that that's good screenwriting you should have written the script for that i wouldn't have thought of that yeah (laughs) there's a lot i want to change in my best friend's wedding like almost everything um We all were kind of, I think many of us remembered it on this humble little podcast is like a pleasant 90s rom-com and Sadie and I went back and reviewed it. I think it was Jen's first time, but it it makes so many kind of like baffling character choices. And our joke was that like it feels written by space aliens because the people don't make like human choices yeah i agree i think the choices are bizarre like i watch it with my friend like a a few days ago like a week ago maybe and it was again another like intense lead up because it's her favorite rom-com of all time like she it's her like bridget jones diary like when harry met sally like she's watched it as like a source of comfort from when she was a kid so i'd never seen it before and i watched it and from the beginning of the movie i was just like wait 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 what like so is she it's like friends to lovers like she's in love with her best friend but she immediately realizes it when he's like oh i'm getting married like she didn't realize it for like seven years and then he's like i'm getting married and she's like oh no like would you not have caught on to that before girl like i don't it's confusing to me <laughs> this is another one that actually i don't think that they would have to re-edit my best friend's wedding at all other than change the music and then it's a great great horror movie (laughs) (laughs) about a woman trying to destroy her friend's wedding (laughs) yeah that's it don't give her like the wacky shenanigans music when she's committing email fraud and when she's you know (laughs) continually (laughs) trying to sabotage things like give it give it some sort of dire like a little sinister like minor key and boom, yeah. there you go. Change the soundtrack and it's Swim Fan, you know? Like, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's a stalker movie if you just mm-hmm. put some musical stings in there. But Absolutely. importantly, you leave the sing-alongs untouched. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yet another connection back to Glee. I It comes full circle. <laughs> there we go. The say a little prayer scene. Gold. Absolute gold. I have two suggestions for the back to... I wanted to throw mine in there for the the other guy, you know? Because just in case you need them going forward. Let's oh, have yeah. them. Okay. First of all, and this one's more popular than the other one, I think. But in Mean Girls, I do not think Katie Heron should have ended up with Aaron. Mm. Mm, right? That's who she ends up with. I think oh. either Katie... Like Katie yeah. and Regina. Like, they... As I said, like, these movies that where they have a lot of, like, angry tension built up. Like, there's something there. And, like, Katie and Regina, like, mm, there's something there. Like, you guys are obsessed with each other. Or like, Katie and Kevin G, maybe? You know? Yeah. Another yeah. good one. Another good one. Like, what what's going on with, with these? But anyways, another one. I just watched this. Someone Great on Netflix super cute just like very chill rom-com um friends to lovers again but in the middle i forget the lead actress it's ali wong but she like starts dating keanu reeves which went viral on twitter oh always be my maybe we did that oh wait not someone great i thought it was someone great yeah yeah, yeah. maybe my bad my bad someone great i watched with Gina Rodriguez is in that. That one's, I didn't like that one as much. But anyways, Always Be My Maybe with Ali Wong and she starts dating Keanu Reeves. Why did she not stay with Keanu Reeves? He like yeah. smashes a vase on his head and starts ranting about like Chinese dictators. Well, I think that's charming. Keanu Reeves would <laughs> I mean, not do that yeah. in real life. But like, <laughs> if he did, I, I think I would just, you know, try and change him. Like there's definitely a way. I feel like the sense of Keanu Reeves would be powerful enough. I would just be like, yes, baby, you do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's charming. It's Keanu Reeves. So I'm. So we found the guy who you would fall at the feet of, and it's Keanu. 
Who wouldn't? I mean, I sure. Yeah, (laughs) I've said before, I love an agent of chaos. Like I was a Robert Pattinson fan before, but when I read his GQ article where he's just like going off the walls, I was like, yeah, Um, he's perfect. Um, The the Piccolini Cuschino. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Call it (laughs) like sure, babe. Yeah, you. you, you Wait, what is that? What is Piccolini? <laughs> what, what secret language did you start talking to each other? It's in the GQ interview that he does. That it's like the April issue of GQ. Robert Pattinson gives this like Zoom interview where he's. I like, like the in text the- in that interview too, where like the profile. It's 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 like a whole profile of him. Yeah, and it's so all over the place, and like I love it. Oh, this I guy, like it. he texts this guy, and so like because that's what you do when you're profiling someone. But like he's he has texts with this guy, the writer's. Zach Baron and like Zach Baron like transcribes their texts and puts them into the the like profile to make it even more like quarantine-y and yeah. weird. But anyways, yeah. tell tell them about the whatever the piccolini whatever. He like in the middle of this like you know big like magazine profile, he starts talking about this like new pasta that he's created. And basically what he does is he, like, takes a bowl of pasta, he, like, takes a bowl, fills it up with water, puts pasta in it, and, like, sprinkles, like, a shit ton of sugar on top, and then puts it in the microwave for, like, eight minutes. And he, like, takes it out, and he, like, tells, like, the interviewer, he's like, yeah, it's really good because you want to get it, like, nice and crunchy with the sugar on top. Um, I think there's tomato in there too. Yeah, there's he also sauce. he puts it in foil, not in a bowl, and then the foil. Oh, like you're right. It is, the, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is the foil, and he's like, "It's fine." <laughs> like this happens all the time, and like I read that, and I was just like, "No, wait." He asks the interviewer. He goes, "Is that okay? Like, is it supposed to do that?" Oh, yeah, he yeah, was yeah, like, yeah, "I yeah. don't know." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, so the God. interviews just kind of standing there, and the interviewer's like, "What's happening?" I was reading that. I was like. I'm in. Like, I'm charmed, you know? Like, if I went on a date with someone and I was just, like, at their house and they started, like, pulling out those stops, I'd just sit there and laugh to myself (laughs) and, you know what, we'd go on a date again. The next day. Charming until you've been married for 10 years and (laughs) you're eating that for dinner, like, on a Wednesday night wondering how your life ended up. If I was married to Robert Pattinson for 10 years, I think that would be the least of my worries. (laughs) Wow, that's a long time. You'd have some money to order takeout. And one, Samantha, I told you that Robert Pattinson reminds me way too much of my little brother for me to like feel it. And two, Annabelle, have you seen that previous, I guess from like the year or the year before, that the uh, Robert Pattinson video, that GQ video they did with him with the Robert Pattinson, I need a hot dog because it's amazing and I'm sending it to you immediately. Okay, please do. That sounds like something I would like to fawn over for hours. I am finding you on Twitter right now. (laughs) And I know our guests have to run along, but before you do, I wanted to give you the chance to plug the plug the newsletter once more. Yeah, yeah. Fletcher, you want to take it away? Oh sure. Well, every Thursday, Annabelle and I release a newsletter. It is the only girls that don't fall at your feet or the only girls shortened on Substack to be the only girls.substack.com. We write about rom-coms this week. Annabelle, you think we should reveal? You can talk about what we're going to write about this week. But okay. basically, yeah, we, we talk about rom-coms. We love rom-coms. We also hate them. And if you don't subscribe, I would say you are unattractive. <laughs> yeah. Gauntlet <Our>, thrown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you don't, <laughs> sorry, it's just fat. I, don't, I actually don't subscribe to my own newsletter. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you it should rate yourself more point. highly, girl. <laughs> well, I'm going to subscribe now. <laughs> Good, yeah. because I am sure that you destroyed all of the justice clothing you wore while you were crushing on boys in your geometry <laughs> and orchestra classes. Yes, I And did. I love that newsletter. Thank you. <laughs> Annabelle, Thank you. you should talk about what we're going to write about this week. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I... Uh, I've mentioned that one of my interests on my resume is Meryl Streep. Mm. Uh, It's listed, actually, on my main CV. So, you know, the genesis of all that, the genesis of, like, another huge pillar of my personality is the Mamma Mia movies, the first one, and then, as of recently, the second one. There are favorite summer rom-coms. 
We're very excited to watch them and talk about them. We might have a special guest on there, so be on the lookout for that. But it's also just going to be a really special, like, wholesome issue for us because I'm going back to New York this weekend, and it's going to be the first time that me and Fletcher have seen each other in person in, like, months. So we're very excited to do that and, like, watch rom-coms. So, yeah, just a little wholesome note. So exciting. Uh, If you guys want to... Check out like our some of our other writing. We both are trying to like break into the writing journalism world. Fletcher actually just wrote a piece for Jezebel, which is huge. Yes. I'm plugging it because I know you won't. <laughs> but yeah, check us out on Twitter. My handle is at like the doll, self-explanatory. Fletcher's just at Fletcher Peters. So check us With out. With an I as the L because Fletcher Peters is taken. Fletcher. By a man who, who has not tweeted since 2013. <laughs> Hey, Shelly. Noah. 